This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host for the next 30 minutes. Here Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets. And of course, Instagram Live. We're squeezing me and, and Dr. Dana Barbo, my guest, who uh, basically the Chief Veterinary Officer of BMX, the Veterinary Meeting and Expo. This is the largest veterinary conference in the world. It is so cool. And uh, it is packed. And now that the pandemic is over, we are seeing so many people. I took some video earlier of the hordes of attendees charging through into the exhibit hall at 9 a.m. I mean, it was unbelievable. It was like one of those stampedes. Fortunately, there were no accidents. Nobody got stampeded or stepped on. That's what it looked like. So uh, anyway, here with Dr. Dana Barbo, as I said. And um, so we're here for you. Obviously, no, here for your, your questions. For your pets, anything you want to hear, now is the You have two veterinary heads here, yes. not just one. <laughs> and I should say, Dana also does some exotics, right? I do, yep. So, exotic pet medicine, so, absolutely. So all those little those little questions you have that I could not answer, and I would call Dana. <laughs> now you can ask, ask directly. So I'm waving to you. And anyway, so let's get started. What we compiled, the VMX is celebrating its 40th year. So the first thing that was good for me and other veterinarians they brought the pricing to come to this conference down to 40 years ago, which yeah. was such a good deal. You can't even believe it. It was fantastic. So um, anyway, so that's one thing. So what a couple of us worked on, Dr. Varbo, my good friend, Dr. Marty Becker, and I worked on some things that we thought we'd find interesting. And by the way, oh, we're getting some really good questions coming in. Good. We can't, we can't forget your questions. So we're going to, while your questions are coming in, we will answer. We want to talk about some of the changes in this profession that have helped you, helped us do a better job helping your pets over the last 40 years. And um, so anyway, I know that Dana started putting little asterisks on some of the ones that we made a list. There's and so I, many good ones. There's, there's good ones. So many good ones. So uh, so let's talk about here, for example, telemedicine. Yes. And, it's so know, exciting, right? Oh, More pets can reach us than ever. Correct. Yeah. And, you know, the, the issue is now, as we know, it is getting more and more difficult to get into a veterinary. Yes. And that's something I want to talk about. Okay. I think I think I already saw a question, but, you know, these are the things that sort of affect us negatively, unfortunately, and we're doing our best. And uh, so um, what I wanted to go is, is telemedicine. Exactly. It's basically connected care. It gives us the opportunity. You guys know from my telemedicine platform, AirVet, that if you cannot get to your veterinarian, what are your options? Well, there's still a lot. That's yeah. the good news. Right. We have telemedicine now. Right. So. Or before telemedicine. <laughs> well, where were people going? Oh, we want to help you now. Google. Google. So sometimes, Google's not very well educated. Right. To be honest. And that's not so. There are some good things. Mm-hmm. We say the internet is a great source of information, but it's also, sadly, a source of misinformation. Yeah. So you got to, you know, it's, it's hard to sort of, you know, tackle through it. Until we get the group, which is where where telemedicine can come in. Yeah. Okay. Oh, let's talk about veterinary techs and nurses. Yeah. So we know that we need more credentialed and experienced and skilled veterinary nurses and technicians in the field. But the good news is when we look back, Dr. Jeff, you know, 
We used to have none. They didn't right. used to be licensed. There were very few schools, very few people that got that education. And now there's a lot more schools. They're really well educated. There's some really gifted skill. I learn from them every day. Right. I learn from my veterinary technicians every day. And what's also interesting about your licensing is that there are a lot of things that we can have our licensed technicians do to help us better serve you and your pets, kind of like a nurse or a PA or a nurse anesthetist. So well, that's a, a great option that we have now. Yeah. So let's get some questions. Uh, there was one about what is a good food. Where was it? I just saw it. Best food to feed a pregnant dog. And also, do they need vitamins, like prenatal vitamins? It's a good question because we take prenatal vitamins right. as humans. You know, pet foods have so many quality control stops, though, which is great. Because now we know that pregnant dogs actually get a really complete diet just from our formulated food. Correct. Correct. Now, some of them are going to, you're going to want to put on puppy food because they're not only feeding themselves, but they're feeding all these puppies that are growing right. so what, them. What right? we typically say is for a, a pregnant female, they should eat about one and a half to one and three quarters times their normal. But a nursing mom yes. should probably eat twice what they normally, normally eat. eat. Yeah. So they, they need the caloric intake and that helps them. So as far as vitamins, again, they're pretty nutritionally balanced. Where I would say talk to your veterinarian is if you are feeding more of a home-cooked diet and now you have a pregnant female, uh, maybe you're going to have she's got puppies. I think there might be some supplementation that would be helpful. So you want to check with the veterinarian. And a lot of veterinary schools actually offer nutrition counseling through their Department of Nutrition. So you can contact whatever local veterinary school in your state or city if you're lucky enough to have one. If you live in Sacramento, you can go to UC Davis. But a lot of those offer really great nutrition programs. And that's a great question. Hopefully, I'm trying to wave to you all. Dana, why don't we go through some of the other things on our list? Well, we had some great things on our list. So I know that, Dr. Werber, you are absolutely passionate about Fear Free. Yes. And that has changed so much. Tell me, from your perspective, what has changed from the time you started as a veterinarian to now? So, you know, basically, uh, so much is learned about handling. Yeah. You know, we used to joke about that that cat that would come in and, and we'd put those gloves on, you know, and, and now we're, we're learning some ways and techniques to make them feel much more comfortable. Things that you can do at home, like we talk about it all the time. When should, people say, when should I start brushing my dog's teeth? I say, yesterday. As soon as they come out, just get them used to the process. Of course, they're going to be losing these puppy teeth. Yeah. They're not going to have them, but it's great to get them through the process. So, um, uh, and the same thing with um, ear cleaning and just brushing, combing them out, toenails, touch their toenails, make it a fun experience. Even pretend clip. Yeah, like, yeah. You don't even have to do it at home because it makes people nervous to do right, it at right, home, right. right? But pretend you're going to clip. Right. And then they're like, oh, that, that doesn't yeah, hurt. Right. That was bad. Oh, it's okay. And I've got to treat, maybe. And then uh, it's also at the practice level, it's making the pets feel more comfortable. Just techniques, even things like putting a, a blanket down on the table so they're not slipping and sliding. Yeah. And, and again, don't like as soon as they come in, we don't go at them anymore. No, now we pet no, them, no. we make friends, get them comfortable. You know, maybe you give mom some treats while we're examining the dog and yeah. cleaning the ears. They could be delivering the treats and it's just things to make them you know, make and, it better, and right? Think, it's better for us right. too. And your pet. Right. But the veterinary experience, I think, is so much better now. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's we have great. a lot less pets that come in just completely fearful, completely anxious. They come in wanting to see us. Right. Oh, I think we love that. I joke, my patients literally will just see me in the waiting room even. They're and they're pulling at the leaf. And that's what makes it so great and so much fun. And now a lot of schools are requiring fear-free certifications for their students. It's great. So, um, and I think that as we see more and more veterinarians, that's going to be a big plus. It is. To have yes. certifications. Yes. Also, I think we've learned a lot. This is one that I can't remember two things that no, I don't see a lot because I'm in the city, but 
I can't remember the last time, except it was a police dog that had bullet wounds and how many fewer hit by cars we see because we, as pet parents, have become much more responsible. I mean, yeah, more pets are kept indoors. More pets have fenced in yards. I mean, accidents still happen and we're ready for those, but... Those accidents aren't common anymore. We're not seeing pets kept outside. They're part of our family now. Correct. In fact, it was so funny. I think it was Marty, Dr. Beckman, told me his granddaughter saw a picture of a cartoon and had of a doghouse in the yard. She goes, my grandpa, what's that? <laughs> she didn't know. They're sitting in our beds. Yeah. That's great. So again, this is something that we've seen a change. Okay, another question. Where do you see the intersection of veterinary medicine and human medicine developing in the next several years? Yeah, that's a great question. More and more, we're seeing veterinarians, uh, the tools that we use, the instruments, they're getting adapted from human medicine and coming right into veterinary medicine. So one of my favorites, and we're talking about here at VMX, is that the microsurgery instruments and techniques that were developed for humans to help humans have faster surgeries with smaller incisions, a better recovery... Well, we're using those on super tiny animals now in my field. So we're doing things like breast cancer surgery on hedgehogs because it's really tiny, right? But we have the instruments now from what they've developed in human medicine to work on things like hedgehogs. So that's great. Speaking of human medicine, and this is really, really cool. This started, I believe, the veterinarian in Japan who was doing open heart surgery, valve surgery on dogs, replacing valves. I've actually had... Two of my clients take their dogs and my patients to Japan, and now he is he's reaching out and teaching. And yeah. I just read another study where they are going up into the veins and actually doing some of these things through the through the veins. Yeah, the inter the right. intravascular right. procedures now that we we know so well in humans, they're a big part of human medicine, Absolutely. right? Now they can be part of veterinary medicine too. So so all these things are really just helping the pets, which is so, so amazing. Okay, what else uh, do we see? Well, kind of along those lines, you you and I have talked about it before, about One Health. Right. And, you know, back in the day, we had treatments for things like ticks and fleas, but we were always worried about the side effects. They were kind of, they were chemicals. They could harm us, but we chose them because we didn't want fleas and ticks in the house. Well, now the medications we have for those things, right, safe, safe for dogs, safe for people, right, safe for kids. cats. Right. Yeah. We don't have to worry as much. And not only does that make our pets healthier, but we don't have to worry about them sharing those diseases with their families anymore. They're right. human families. And I think, you know, the fact that we share the pets and they're in our homes, yeah. uh, that has become a focus of a lot of these pharmaceutical companies now to actually, when they're working on their formulations, that they don't leave bad residues, that they are safe. And uh, I think that's, that's, you know, also. It's incredible, right? Yeah. That's always good news. So uh, let's see. So um, your presentation daughter with your critical care RVT. That's what you do. <laughs> I love the comment. Right. That's so cute. Why do you do an emergency? So the comment is friendly text your daughter who is a critical care RVT. Yeah, and it's for true. RVT. RVT. Yes. And, and, and they are, you know, a big help. And they are big. In fact, some of the time. Secure. They're a big part of the team. Well, they're not, right. Yeah. Because what happens is there is such a backup now. Yeah. When it comes to the emergencies, that it's great to have that triage to know, okay, which ones do we need to see first? Yeah. Um, we always say emergency, especially emergency critical care. 
Right. That's a team sport. Right. We can't do that on our own as right. veterinarians. We need a whole team around us. Right. No one ever does CPR on their own. God forbid right. we get that far. But even right. the, just taking care of these animals that really are in the middle of an emergency. Right. Absolutely. Two or three of us. Yes. And I, and the fortunate thing is there are. Okay, hang on a second. I am going to check. Boy, I'm so many ways. I like with all these people joining us today here at VMX online. I want more questions. You got Dana here. Those of you who have those those little pocket pets, now's the time. I know they were doing surgery. I just read someone doing surgery. Talk about the micro instruments as I'm waving yeah. to everybody. Okay. Uh, here's a good question. If COVID is slowing down, you know what? We should take a quick break. I know here on Pet Life Radio, I want you to stay tuned. Mark is going to take a quick break. And we're going to come back. We're halfway through the show. And that is going to be the question we're answering. And that is, uh, why is it hard to see you back? So Good. Yeah, yeah we yeah. can talk about that. Yes. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. All right, we're ready to go. So welcome, welcome back. Thanks for our, to our sponsors here on Pet Life Radio. So before we took our break for Pet Life Radio, a question came in about, is if COVID is slowing down, why is it still hard to get into your vet? Well, I think there's a couple of really interesting statistics out there about this, Dr. Jeff. One is we're seeing a pet population that is growing and growing and right. growing and growing. But it's not just that we have a lot of pets, right? I mean, we, we've always had a lot of pets, but it's how we see our pets. Our pets, like we talked about earlier, they're family members now. So even when economics maybe are uncertain, we know that we prioritize our pets. Right. And we also are starting to understand that more pet owners want tests. They want treatment. You know, our pets aren't just companions. Like I said, they're family members. So we're going to invest in them and we're going to invest in their health care like they're family members. And so that means for each pet that we have, they're going to live longer. Right. <laughs> they're going to go to the vet more often. And so even though... Yes, not only do we have more pets, but they're living longer. So you and I have talked about it. A pet that maybe was going to live eight years in 1983, 40 years ago when we started, now it's going to live 12 years. That's four more years for Dr. Jeff and I to have to take care of them. So we're producing veterinarians at a steady state, but we're getting pets at a faster rate and they're living a lot longer. So we know that the demand for animal health care is going to stay really high right. and it would be great to have you know some there's a few more schools i mean when i went to school there were 24 vet schools in the u.s yeah. now up to 31 i believe so no. sounds so, right <laughs> but we need more and another thing is and I, and I really think there is a generation difference all right generational difference between some of us that got out of school <laughs> 40 years ago Maybe a bit all right yeah and i knew when i got out my work week was going to be 40 50 60 hours 
And now with the younger generation, they want to balance their life. Yeah. And that's good too, because we want veterinarians that are able to stay in the profession longer. Right. And we know if we bring them more balance and a healthier lifestyle, we're not just going to have a veterinarian that lasts 20 years, but we're going to have a veterinarian that stays in the profession like you, 40, 40, 50 years. But I want to be a vet. I want to just be a vet. I want to be a vet for as long as I can stand up. Right, right. So I want to be able to do that. And I think there's a lot of interesting ways we're looking at both expanding our care through the use of veterinary technicians so that I can work a 40-hour week, but still bring you pet care for even longer by utilizing my team members better. I will also say there's some great organizations out there, not only working on wellness and work-life balance, but actually working on how do we train more veterinarians and do it well so that our new grads are coming out ready to take care of our pets. And also, I think another problem is, is that when I went to school, I think of my class, and I also talked to Marty Becker, graduated at the same era that I did. He was saying that in my class, I would say 5% went on to become specialists. Yeah. Now, the same size class, but now 30% want to be specialists. So that means there are less GPs out there. There are less GPs. There's also less specialists too. So they're having some of the same problems that that everyone had. And we know that training is a problem, right? right. So we know we need to train more GPs. Right. We know we need to train more specialists. Right. And we know we need to teach them ways to be more efficient in practice. And also too. regionalize the specialists. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's the thing. true. Uh, yeah. and, and for example, a board certified surgeon in LA. Oh my God. <laughs> lots. Lots. <right>? Internists. <laughs> lots. Whereas there's some places where the closest board certified surgeon or internist or neurologist or oncologist could be, you know, 70, 80, 100 miles or more away. Yeah, three, four hours. So, you know, that's another thing that we're starting to learn more about how we could use telemedicine. Right. Some of the specialists are forming groups and consortiums where we can use telemedicine as a general practitioner to for them to consult with us in a case right. and everyone to get better service. So maybe we don't need an internal medicine specialist necessarily right around the corner, right. but I can work with a, an internal medicine specialist that's across the country or right. seven or eight hours away and still bring great care to your pet right. Through, right, right, right. through the use of telemedicine. So so it's a problem that we're seeing. The profession definitely is tackling it. And uh, and I, I found a few practices that I, you know, again, I don't know, everyone, each his own, after your own thing. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, during COVID, there were a lot of practices, a lot of practices, about most that were doing some form of what we call curbside. They're being very careful not to let clients to the door. And interestingly, even though COVID is pretty much, you know, over, or at least it's, Close it's not to, the same yeah. threat, yeah. that, I mean, look what's happening here at GMX. <laughs> Risk is really low. To be together again, and and so um, I think that you know what we're seeing is I see a few practices more than I would like to know are still doing curbside only. Well, you know, I think a lot of places are starting to realize there are some appointments and some clients actually like curbside. Right. You know, some people are busy, so for them, it's really kind of a nice ancillary, an extra service. Right. You could drop your pet off. You can go run errands. I'm going to call you. Yeah. You come back, pick up your pet. Oh, yeah. And actually, it's a way we can be more efficient in some uh, ways. Yeah, for sure. Drop-offs, you know, yeah. I agree. With drop-offs, absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, still, when when people are coming for their appointment and the doctors don't let them in, at this point, I still think that maybe uh, they should be... To people. I People vets. Some of the doctors out there are saying, boy, this is pretty cool that we'd have to see the client. Oh, All I need to do is take care of the pet. Yeah. So anyway, but that could be happening. All right. So let's see. We're waving, waving, waving. I'm looking for your questions. Give me questions. <laughs> All right. Um, ah, okay. Here's another one uh, along the lines. How is the profession dealing with the stress 
emotional and psychic impact on their narratives? You know, lots of ways. And I, this is a great question because it's not a one size fits all, right? Yeah. You know, we're part of the general population too. We're very different. We've always known that caregivers, whether it's a veterinarian or an MD or a dentist or nurses, definitely can suffer from some emotional burden associated with our professions. We take them very seriously. Right. It's a passion, a career of passion. Dr. Jeff and I have talked about that before. So we know it's very easy actually for us to feel emotionally attached when our clients, when you guys as pet owners are feeling emotional. We, we take too much of that on ourselves. And so there's a lot of great ways that are coming out to teach resilience, to teach ways to not transfer the emotional burden of pet care from you guys as you because pet owners are really home health care providers, right? right? You, you take care of them at home. You're the one giving their pills. You're the one who's stressed out when they're sick. And we are too. We have to figure out a way to not take on all that burden. And, and to be honest, pet owners do too. We have to find a way to separate that. So there's a lot of great techniques out there. Like I said, some resilience training. But we're also looking at as organizations, because I'm, I'm a big proponent of this. Individuals can improve, right? Our work-life balance. But what if our jobs, what if our clinics had better rules, had better boundaries, had better ways to help us deal with things. Because where we work is almost as important as who we are as far as these types of issues. Right. And another thing that, that I think is hurting many veterinarians, it's a profession because of social media. Yeah. We're learning that you need to have some type of thick skin. I'm sure none of you, because you are all the best pet parents, anyone who's coming on our show, listening to us, Pet Life Radio, Instagram Live, we know you're the best pet parents, but you're the devoted ones. The yeah. devoted ones. Yeah. I gotta tell you, there's a lot of people out there <laughs> that can really make you feel terrible at that level and they have no problem telling the world. And um, I think that that for some, especially younger veterinarians whose skin hasn't thickened enough yet to know that, you know what, they're going to be haters all over. And what you guys need to know is that we do our best. Are we perfect? No. Think about this. I, and I say this all the time. I did very well in vet school. Okay. And I was. We I was, figured that right. I knew that. And, and you know, the, the typical classical A student, but I wasn't a hundred percent. That's okay. I, well, no, I was, you know, maybe 90, mid nineties low, you know, but that's still got an A. Yeah, absolutely. Okay? absolutely. It's still graduating yeah. very high in my class. But that means if, if for example, I did like overall 94%. What about that 6%? I didn't do so well on that. It'll right? be okay, Dr. Right. Jeff. It'll right. be okay. But the question is, I think a lot of young, when they, yeah, ex clients expect 100% from everybody. <laughs> a medicine is not an exact no. science. We have these books of dosing, for example, yeah. drugs. And it's it tells you, example. and it yeah. gives you the, the drug that we like to start somewhere, maybe low, middle, whatever. And all of a sudden, you can have an animal that it does nothing to, <laughs> and you have an animal that you start the lowest dose and they crash. Yeah. You know, it's it just it's well, people always ask me, why is it practicing medicine? Yeah, why are you still practicing? Right. It's a great example. Right. Well, that's how we're still practicing right. because every pet is such an individual and they're gonna respond so differently. So we use our professional judgment and our education and our knowledge to do the best we can right. based on what we know. Right. And we hit to be honest, we get that ninety-five percent yeah, most of the time. Yeah, no, we really do. But that just means some of the time we just right. can't be perfect. And, and I think, you know, that's so okay the, too. the message to the young veterinarians is know that, that that's yeah. okay. Yeah. It's okay. Not every, you're not going to be able to save everyone. Unbelievable. And then not only are the, the pets so different, so are pet parents <laughs> of course. and yeah. what their expectations are and how far they can go with the case. Yeah. So it's, it's sort of like a dance to put together how well we know our patients, but also how well we know our clients and make right decisions for both. 
I don't even want pet parents to be devoted, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's the best. You know, there's nothing better than working with pet parents who are devoted and want us to get the answers for them and run the tests and do the treatments. We we love that. Right. We love that. I mean, it makes it better for us, but it does mean that sometimes no some of you will do anything. And we again, that's a great thing, but sometimes medicine is still limited. Right. I can't I can't save everything. I want I it. I really wish I could. Right, right. I really wish. All of us do. Yes. You know? That's the thing. We do wish we could save every single animal. So for those of you out there who have had bad experiences, understand that, trust me, it wasn't done purposely. <laughs> Your veterinarian still trying to get that 95%. Right, right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and if they do, and they did, like if you think back yeah. and, and you look at your caseload and 95% were successful, you got to pat yourself on the back and say, that yeah, it's pretty darn good. good. Yeah. And, you know, I think the other thing with the social media issues, I think sometimes we let the squeaky wheel get the grease. Right. We make so many pet parents so happy. We know so many of you love your veterinarian. You love everything they do. You're so devoted to your pets. Just got to let that one that's never going to be happy. I know. They're never going to be happy. Yeah. <laughs> and I got to tell you, though, for the young doctor, that is it's the hardest thing. It is. Because you take it so personally. Learn. And then once you realize over time, and also it would be nice, we used to say back before social media, that every time a client left upset, they would literally go home, get out their little their pads, their phone book, whatever, right? They, they were no computers, no, no iPads. <laughs> they had to get out their phone book and they would call their friends and to share that terrible example, right? Yeah. It's a terrible thing that happened. Whereas a person who's happy, they kind of expected happiness. So there was no special thing. And you know, you know when it'll come out, they're having coffee with their friends and they're subject yeah. to their pets. And then start talking about their veterinarian. Oh, I have this good vet. Oh, great. But they're not going to go home and start calling. But oh, I just might, I just think about sure. my vet. Very true. So we used yeah. to say that for every client that left unhappy, you have to three times as much. You have to tell, you know, you have to make three or times as many people happy to, to balance that out. Yeah. Our brains, though. We have to train our brains to focus on the people that we made happy throughout right. the day. Right. When you go to leave at the end of the day, don't think back about that one person that was unhappy with you. Think of that usually nine, 10, 12, 15, yep. 16, sometimes 30 on a very bad day. And we make most of those people really, happy. really happy. Right. So, uh, yeah. So, this is still the best profession on the planet. <laughs> Absolutely. And if I had it to do it all over again, I would not hesitate 100%. one day to keep doing this. Love it, love it, love it. So, anyway, Dana. Our time is up. Thank you so oh, much. Thank you. It's for good to see me. you today. I'm so glad you know here at BMX is just is so much energy. Good. It's great to see how many pet lovers are out there. Yeah. And how many uh, veterinarians here, the specialists are here, and the exhibitors who are trying to help us do what we do best. So thanks for joining me here on Pet Life Radio, of course. If, and Instagram Live. If you have any questions, you're not get a hold of me. Just uh, on Instagram Live, just send me a, a private message. Uh, by the way, Mason, the dog is doing amazingly well. <laughs> Okay. And he's doing so great. And um, uh, here on Pet Life Radio, so you can either get a hold of me to drjeff at petliferadio.com. We'll be here next week. Yep, next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. Back to my home studio as uh, this one wraps up on Wednesday. Yep. All right. All right. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.